Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to this edition of the John Papaloni Show. Today, we have Mike Menino. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, John, for having me. I appreciate being here. Absolute pleasure. Why don't we start off with a description of who you are, what you do, and how you got there. Yeah, so um, I am actually from Michigan, and I currently now live in South Carolina. I moved a year and a half ago to escape the cold winters, and... um, so I have bought, fixed, and flipped over 80 houses before the age of 30 years old. Um, I'm now turning 31 this month, which is crazy. And uh, um, since 2020, I have been buying apartment buildings and self-storage facilities as well. I have over 60 apartment units that pay us every single month, and I have flipped a couple uh, self-storage facilities. Interesting. Now, what made you get into uh, the whole real estate game? I mean, like, like being honest, because you're, you're, you're quite young, and I can't imagine, I don't think you were born with money. Like, I don't think you woke up and said, okay, daddy, give me $10 million. I'm going to invest, invest in real estate and start my business. So obviously the venture got there somehow mm-hmm. and you, and you discovered real estate and its power. Yes. Um, what was that point that you discovered it and made you realize this was your direction? So very good question. I, and I wasn't born with money, uh, but I was born with passion. And um, so, and to kind of take a step back just for a quick minute, um, at 13 years old, I think this plays a huge part about the mindset because you're at what you're you are at where you are today because your current mindset and where you can be tomorrow or where you want to be is a different mindset. So at 13 years old, I was actually diagnosed with a disease called Crohn's disease, which is basically like an ulcer in your stomach. Um, and I was very, very blessed. A lot of people, um, they get colonoscopy bags, they go to the hospital constantly and tons of surgeries. And, you know, it's a life threatening disease as well. I was very blessed and uh, to have a very low case of it. Um, I was taking 16 different pills a day. Uh, I was on steroids. I gained a bunch of weight and I'm 13 years old. So it's like your hormones already out of whack. And then you're taking steroids and I look like the Pillsbury Doughboy. You know, I'm like the big round face. I gained like 35 pounds and I'm a short guy as it is. So it didn't look good on me. And um, and I, I blame steroids for being short. No, I'm kidding. But uh, um, so, but going through the experience, and I, I, I say this like the biggest blessing in my life because it re- really made me appreciate how short life is. We were just talking about this before we hit the record button, how short life can be, yeah. right? And, um, you know, at 13 years old, you usually can like, like break your leg and then go run a marathon the next day because you're just like Wolverine at that age. You can just like heal. And um, at the, a young age, made me appreciate life and how valuable it is. And, you know, you could wake up and in your whole life, is completely different. So um, going through that experience made me appreciate life uh, and to take life to the fullest. So don't be in the middle, but if you decide to do something, go for it. Um, so growing up, um, you know, I, I started working at McDonald's at the age of 16 years old, working the maximum legal uh, hours, which is 20 hours a week while going to school 35 hours a week. Then I started busing tables at 17, waiting tables at 18, saved up $14,500. I bought my first house at 19 years old uh, with an FHA loan, a three and a half percent down. It was really cool. So I was able to buy a house uh, for only $7,000 down and I'm in there, I'm fixing it up. I was a three bedroom house and, um, and I did what was called house hacking before I knew what house hacking was, where I rented out the other bedrooms to people I waited tables with. So my mortgage was 600 bucks a month. I'm fixing it up while I'm, while I'm living there. I got Roommates paying me $300 a month each. Um, so if you kind of do the math, you zoom out, you got two tenants paying 
$300 a month. That's 600 bucks a month. And my mortgage is 600 bucks a month. So at 19 years old, going to community college, waiting tables and fixing up this moldy house is how I, I got into real estate. Um, two short years after that, I was 21 years old. I sold the house um, for double what I paid for it. I think I paid 67 for the house. And I sold it for 147,000. Moved back home with mom and dad and started flipping houses from there. Poor mom and dad, but um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, it's interesting there because everything you just said there, I caught a few points there, right? I've never heard anybody say that I've gotten Crohn's and I've been blessed. Um, I've never you know, heard those two terms uh, you know, together before, but uh, the key component here, what I'm trying to point out is the mindset, is that um, because things in life are going to happen regardless. And you get to decide whether it happens to you or whether it happens for you. And that's the key component. You decided that you weren't going to be the victim. You were going to be a survivor. And that is phenomenal. I, you know, and it's so like you said, before we started, you know, hit record, we were talking about, you know, how life short uh, could be so short and stuff like that. Um, I mean, I, I have IBS as well, uh, you know, and <laughs> it's not fun. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not Crohn's, but it's not fun. And, um, yeah. So, and then the second component I got there is the fact that, uh, you know, you know, you, you could, most people, you know, when they save their money, they see that kind of thing. They want to buy their fancy cars, their, uh, fancy jewelry, you know what I mean? Fancy watches, you know, funky phones, new technology, and you right away went into investments, which is, you know, really the smart way to do it. I mean, at least long-term. So, and it's great that you had that insight. And obviously it seems like you've had that insight since you were young. So that's amazing. And kudos to you for that and doubling your money. And that was, that was the way you built up. So it's great. Now, I mean, aside from the jokes of, you know, that, uh, you know, poor mom and dad of yeah. getting the movie and all that, aside from the jokes is the fact that you, um, you saw an opportunity and you saw an opportunity of how to save money and still, I mean, yeah, save money by living at home and then being able to use that to invest. That's phenomenal. Yeah, that was that's truly phenomenal. So, uh, right. So, that I just want to take a second and highlight what you said, and and you were right about I immediately go buy a car, right? So when I had this house, I had a 2004 Malibu with no horn and no AC. The entire time I had this house, the second I sold this house, I wanted this is back 2012. Uh, so Bumblebee from Transformers, the 2010 yellow black striped Camaro, and everyone thought because I had a sixty thousand dollar check in my hand, everyone's like, Mike, are you gonna go buy the Camaro? I said, no, I'm going to go buy the next moldy house. Right. And I, I <laughs> it, like, and so I live like I'm going to, I could die tomorrow, but I also live like I'm going to live to 85 um, statistically. Right. So I invest that way because I, I think like when I was buying that house and I could have bought the, the car with that $7,000 instead of putting that, I could have bought that, that car. But I zoomed out and I said, you know, I asked my dad, I was like, all right, in 10 years from now, because he was scared about me buying this house. He was like, what are you doing? Like, he didn't give me any money. Like, you know, I just did this on my own. And um, he's like, he, and, I, and I asked him, I said, so like logically in 10 years, I know we're going through a recession right now. Is the house going to be worth more, the same amount or less than it is today? And he's like, you know what? Probably going to be worth a little bit more. I'm like, in the car, this $35,000 car is going to be worth more, less, or the same it is today. It's like definitely less, right? So that's, that's just kind of the way I... I saw it that makes sense yeah absolutely it did totally makes sense so yeah you're right and, and it's good that you saw it that way because most people don't so we're going you know moving forward with that here is that 
you got into the real estate. I mean, like, how did the loan process work here, right? Like, are you, are you, I'm, uh, are you still working in the, like, in the meantime while you're doing this? Or um, did you sort of stop, you know, taking on jobs at that point? Yeah, good question. So the first house about FHA from waiting tables. So that was the first house. Then the second house, I had 67000 bucks. Uh, moved back home with mom and dad. And I'm, again, not afraid to downgrade my life. And I bought, I went to the tax foreclosure within 30 days of that money being in my account. I bought a house for $50,000. So I paid cash for this house. And um, so that left me with like about $10,000 to my name. So then I went to my dad. I was like, all right, I already bought the house. And we probably need about $30,000, $40,000 of renovations. If we partner together, you invest the renovations. I already bought the house. And we do the renovations and we can split it 50-50. And we did that for about three or four houses. And then we came into a money problem where you only have so much cash. You know, I had, you know, sixty, seventy thousand dollars Mike Sr., my father probably had about the same amount. So we could only buy about one house at a time, maybe two small ones. And then we started using what is called hard money loans uh, in the industry, which are lenders who invest in fix and flippers like us. And their whole job is to give us loans. Um, so we can go out and buy fix and flip houses. And that's what exponentially grew our business. And now today we're blessed um, to have enough private lenders, of, you know, uh, friends and family, doctors, attorneys and, and real estate agents uh, who have seen my success in real estate. And now they invest in our deals. So we actually just use friends and family money and don't even use hard money anymore. Which is good. Now, what is the difference? I mean, like, here's what I mean. Like, well, I got so many questions here. Um, couple questions like one is that um what is the difference between hard money and friends money um because i'm sure they're not doing it out of generosity they're getting something out of it and so there's obviously you know that component to it and so what's what's the fundamental difference there yeah so the the difference is hard money they charge typically maybe around two points when you close the property so that's two percent so example if i buy a hundred thousand dollar property they're gonna charge me two thousand bucks just for buying the property and then twelve percent interest so about one percent per month. And um, if you analyze that and for how uh, how quick we can turn money, it's about 16% a year it's going to cost us if we use hard money. Friends and family money, um, we, uh, we pay them 10% right now, which is awesome because it's way better than what Chase Bank is paying them. You know, it's a nice, secure asset. Um, so it works out where they make way more money investing in us and we save actually a little bit of money uh, working with them instead of going to a hard money lender. Got it. Now, how did you find these guys? I mean, because it's not like you woke up one on Instagram saying, looking for friends to help me invest in real estate. Very good point to that. Um, so it took years. Uh, so the the best thing to do, a, a lot of my success is actually through Facebook. If you look me up on Facebook, I got 12,000 followers on Facebook um, and I post religiously. Um, so what I did in the beginning is I would make it like an HGTV show, my Facebook page. So it would just be like, everyone loves when you go into moldy house, like I got this moldy house. Like I'll take my phone. No joke. I'm like, Hey, it's Mike Menino. I'm going through this moldy house right now. We're gonna rip out the cabinets, new floors and doors and trim and paint. It's gonna look awesome when we're done with it. Uh, and then I would just keep doing that over and over and over again. And then at the end I would have a call to actions. Like, hey, if you want me to, you know, make a cash offer on a house, let me know. Or, hey, if you want to invest in properties like this with us, uh, here's my cell phone. Give me a call and I would love to hop on the phone with you. And doing that for years and over and over and over again, um, I get messages all the time now 
Uh, it's kind of crazy where we have we're at a point where we have more money that wants to invest with us and we have deals because uh, we only like to have about maybe 10 to 14 houses at a time, which, you know, in Michigan, these houses, you only need about a million and a half, two million bucks to take down all those houses. So it fills up pretty quick. Uh, but the, the thing was being consistent over and over and over again, showing up every single week. So then when they think Mike Menino, he's the house flipping guy. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. I love that. The consistency is definitely the way to do it. And, and so I made a joke about it, like uh, the whole Instagram thing, but indirectly, it wasn't Instagram, it was Facebook, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you're right. It goes to show you the the power of social media and the power and importance of being consistent. And that consistency and that constant, you know, showcase is really what makes and breaks you and and i always say it doesn't matter what you do it doesn't matter why you're doing it and it doesn't even matter how you're doing it but as much as who you're doing it with so it's always the who not how yeah right and it's who you surround yourself who you build yourself with those are really going to be the fundamental difference of whether or not you succeed with something and in a sense you just prove that awesome now okay so i'm going to assume now that uh, real estate is what you do full-time you've uh the market has changed. Where I'm going with this is the market has changed. Things are different. Flips are a lot harder to do, especially, well, I mean, you're getting private money, so your interest rates never really changed. Mm -hmm. So, but your pool has changed, your buyer pool. So how how would you compare flipping today compared to say three years ago? Yeah, so three years ago was crazy. You know, you'd have to sell your firstborn and you know do all these crazy things to get a house. And now it looks a little bit different. Um, the biggest thing that saved us, we're, we're still, we do about 20 houses a year. I think this year we'll do around maybe like 12 or 14. I got to look. So we're, you know, we, we slow down. Um, but back then we were buying uh, more aggressively. We're buying on thinner margins. So the, the formula we use uh, in our industry is like 70% of the after repaired value minus repair, minus repairs. So let me, I'll just break that down. Simple numbers. So let's say a house is worth $100,000 when we're done with it. After we uh, put in the new floor, doors, trim, right? That's the max $100,000. We start at $70,000 and then we have to uh, uh, take out all the repairs. So let's say it's another $30,000. So that means we can only pay $40,000 for that house because we have to put you know $30,000 in repairs and we have closing costs and holding costs will make about fifteen twenty thousand bucks. So, but during COVID, we were buying at eighty percent of uh, after repaired value because by the time we'd go sell the house, the house is probably worth ten to fifteen twenty thousand dollars more than it was three months ago, right? Um, and now we're back at a formula of where we're buying houses at seventy percent of after repaired value. We're being very conservative, um, and it's kind of cool. Where we've actually done less deals, but we're actually making about the same amount of money we did in twenty twenty, just because we're buying deeper. Right. Um, so we're not doing as much volume, but we're buying deeper because by the time we're done with the house, we have to, you know, we're not sure where rates are going to be in three or four months from now. So we have to be very conservative. But it looks like right now rates are going to be cheaper, hopefully, um, in the next coming months. Um, and then another thing we did was we only stayed with the bread and butter houses, the thousand square foot houses, the, you know, the three bed, one or two bath houses, the houses that everyone needs. Uh, we never went into luxury uh, because of this right now. I, I've, I've been begged by friends and family. We should go into luxury. Um, we'll make more money. And I said, no, 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 the entire time. Because, you know, on a $2 million house, where you're supposed to make $750,000. 
at rates at two and a half percent versus now rates, you know, close to eight percent. Um, the buyer pool is way smaller. Um, the finishes, the holding costs are a lot more. Um, so the, the type of houses we purchased saved us a lot as well. Yeah, it makes total sense. So obviously you slowed down in that as well. Um, but yeah, I love how you know exactly what works for you. You, ha you have a formula, you're sticking to it. It's so easy to sway from that. In fact, many people do sway from that and that's how they end up in trouble. So it's good that you had that. But you started getting into uh, real estate uh, apartments, like you're starting commercial real estate, like through apartments and um, self-storage. Now, where my question is here is that it's, yeah, so apartments is in a way kind of what everybody wants to do um, long term, right? Because, I mean, you obviously do the apartments because everyone needs a place to live. So it's, and when you can get multiple of it and you can scale a lot bigger, which is great. And you got into self-storage. What got your eyes on the self-storage? Like what made you think that was appealing? Like, and to give you context of where I'm coming from is that it was an opportunity that I didn't see before this year. I saw self-storage and I thought, you know, how many of these do we really need? Who, who the heck uses this? And lo and behold, I found out many people use this and it's a lot bigger of an industry than I anticipated. Um, how did you see that? Did uh, somebody let you in on the secret or did just something you kind of figured out for yourself? Yeah. So um, just like you, I mean, growing up and you, so I'm also from Michigan. So we have a lot of basements in Michigan. So we normal people throw their stuff in the basement. Like that's what we did. I, when I grew up, I never had a self storage, but also moving down to the South, there's not a lot of basements. So it makes sense to have extra room. You need a self storage facility. So that's one of the things. And two, I looked at the data as crazy as it is in 2008, uh, recession, uh, uh, multifamily self-storage were the two assets that were like the safest that did the best that performed the best, um, during the recession. And I would have bet against that because I would be like, why are you paying a hundred bucks a month to store old couches and furniture? Like for me, logically it doesn't make sense, but Hey, you know, people do things. Then we also have a self-storage facility in Michigan for our flipping business. We've had it, it's funny, since 2018. And I don't even know how much the rent is, it's just on auto pay. And we use it because we have extra paint, toilets, doors, trim. So as long as we're buying and fixing flipping houses, we're gonna pay that hundred bucks a month, whatever the, the fee is, uh, because we, we put our business in there, right? And then the guys can go in there, grab extra paint and toilets and whatever it is. And um, so it's funny how, to answer your question, how I kind of got into it was on accident. <laughs> Um, so I, I did a couple small multifamilies and I partnered with someone who had experience with that and I served him so much and so well, he came across a self storage facility in Michigan and he was like, Mike, uh, you know, I liked working with you on these other apartment buildings. I came across this. Let's look at this together. And, um, uh, we looked at it long story short. We actually, we bought it the same day we bought it for 850,000 and sold it for a million 50,000. So we, made about 180,000 after closing costs in a day by buying it and selling it to someone else who wanted it more than us. I've done that a few times with self-storage, but I, I kind of look at self-storage and multifamily the same. You know, they're valued a lot at the same with like cap rates and, you know, net operating incomes. So banks look at them the same, if that makes sense. Um, and I just kind of view them as, as, as kind of like the same, like, um, you know, you got tenants, one has no toilets, one does. And you know what, with self-storage, you can actually automate it. I got friends who do it all from their cell phone and it's super simple. Yeah, that is true. That is true. 
And, and again, that's seeing the opportunity. Like, like I, I couldn't see it. I looked at it and I said, okay, you know, you're buying something that people use temporarily. And lo and behold, no, that's just my mindset. Yeah. <laughs> so awesome. Now, have you got into commercial in terms of uh, actual commercial, like, like retail stores or office buildings or anything like that? You know, I have not. I have uh, looked at it. Um, I have friends, very close friends, who one does small retail storefronts, and he buys like ten to fifteen thousand square foot, breaks it up into salons and barbers. And I, I was actually just at them a few weeks ago, and he's crushing it with that. Um, and I got another friend who's been buying actually office buildings, smaller office buildings, um, and same thing. He's splitting them up into like an attorney, a, a psychologist, and a tax accountant, all these little offices. And he's buying them for pennies on the dollar because no one's looking at them. He's getting seller financing terms at 0% interest rate, 0% down on these things. He's getting them for free because they lose money day one because um, they're not being uh, ran correctly. And he, and I think it's honestly a great opportunity to look at for these smaller you know, office spaces because everyone's looking at multifamily self-storage right now. It's the hot, sexy thing right now. And I think it could be a great opportunity um, if you understand those two sectors that are being overlooked. Yeah. See, that's uh, an interesting perspective. And you're right. A lot of people are not looking at it because let's be honest, let's look at what happened in uh, San Diego. Um, <laughs> a lot of people are, a lot of companies are uh, losing. I mean, let, let me rephrase it. A lot of banks are losing money. And it's um, it's an interesting perspective that we nobody has a crystal ball, right? Because it's going to be people saying, okay, that's because people work from home. No one's going to work, uh, you know, in an office anymore. And truth be told, we really don't know. I mean, do I think the um, investment perspective, like, you know, like the whole office culture has changed? Absolutely. And I think that has changed forever. But to what degree is the real question? And I think the trend will tr change. So when I say the trend will change, as in, doesn't, I don't think we need office space the way we used to, but I think there's still going to be a need for it. So it's like you said, what's going to be done is going to be different versus what's going to be available. Now, prime example, common, uh, a popular thing is um, now, aside from the fact that this company failed, but this company didn't fail because of the concept, they failed because of bad budgeting. Um, WeWork, right, where they allow shared office space. I think that's going to be a huge opportunity in the future. And I'm not necessarily saying that company because they're bankrupt, but there'll be other people that that exist. Like we're all, everyone's focusing on that because that's the one that's in the media, but they're not the first. They're not the only one that's out there. There's plenty of them that are out there doing it. And a lot of them are very successful. Why? Because they allow people who want an office address and not their home address and maybe want to work in a space once or twice a week, they give them that flexibility and opportunity. And I can see more companies and even some major players out there might take advantage of that where they have shared space. And I think that's our future, shared space where people get the corporate address, get the flexibility of working there, but not the uh, mandatory requirement of having to be there. So use it's almost like a paper use. And I think that's our future, which means there's still a demand for office space. There's just going to be less of it in comparison to what it was. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's that's my perspective as well. So awesome. With this being said, everything being said, where do you go from here? What's your perspective going forward from today? <laughs> that's a big question. <laughs> In like real estate market or uh, my business or what, what do you what do you mean by that? Oh, well, you know, from your perspective, like, what are you looking to do? Like, uh, I'm assuming I thought real estate was your only business, right? Yeah, I mean, real estate's pretty much my business. Um, I have, I, I, I account it 
as so I have my single family fix and flip business up in Michigan, like that's one business, right? And then I have my multifamily buying and self storage business. That's a whole nother business. I got separate team members, separate marketing channels. Like, so I looked at like, yes, they're both real estate, but they're different. And then I also have my real estate education company, you know, real estate wealth builders behind me. Um, and, uh, and I've been doing that for over a year and it's, it's a ton of fun helping people, uh, fix and flip houses. Okay. Which brings up the point. There you go. There you go. That's, that's, I didn't even realize that you had the, uh, the, the, the teaching component there. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm noticing this is a uh, trend and I'm going, why, why is this a trend? Like what was your motivation and goal here? Yes. So perfect. Perfect. Um, so that same story that kind of told you where I bought a self storage facility and then I sold it and I made $180,000. I shared that story, uh, inside of some groups I was in. And then my, my friend Brandon came to me. He's actually in the Boston market outside of Boston. And he said, Hey, Mike, I have this self storage facility under contract. And, um, and it's an old mill building. It was built in 1880. Um, and, you know, it has single pane windows and it's not heated and uh, three different roofs. And I actually need a, a ton of work. Um, but he got it for a great price. So he's like, Mike, you know, I'm looking at, you know, raising the capital, you know, the renovations could be $300,000 and we're going to buy it, renovate it, and then, you know, maybe sell it, refinance it. And I said, Brandon, you know, I love you, but, you know, you're an engineer and you've never bought anything outside of your personal residence before. This is a ton of renovations you need to do. You got slate roofs, flat roofs, asphalt roofs. Uh, you got to do redo the entire interior because they're, they're wood boxes and you put metal in them. So this is a huge project. You know, I think you got it under contract at a great price uh, with seller financing terms, great seller financing terms. Um, I think you could make, maybe even wholesale this um, for, for more than what you paid for it. He's like, really? Yeah. So he saw my story, reached out to me from that. And the cool thing is from that from that deal, we ended up wholesaling it. He made $224,000 wholesale fee from a property he uh, was going to buy and renovate himself or either walk away from as he was digging into the numbers. So after sharing that story to him, he made a quarter million dollars, was able to leave his job um, because I shared my experience. I was like, you know, I need to share my experience more so we can help more people. Right. So then my, my goal is to build like a little army of uh, like, you know, guys doing deals together, you know, guys and gals who are buying apartments and self storages and flipping houses and funding each other's deals and just kind of take over the world together. Yeah, that's interesting. So I guess that was the inspiration there. Yeah, because I, I see a lot of people doing this now, and it's just interesting. I mean, like, I, again, it's like the self-storage. I mean, like, I started thinking, I'm going, is there any money in it? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's... I'll answer that question. I, I lose money on it every single month, but it's the long-term game. It's the vision of building. My goal is 100 people who know, love, and trust me, and we do deals together. So that I ask myself that question, like in five years from now, will this pay off? If I help a hundred people, you know, quit their job, do deals together, uh, will I be in a better position than the you know money I'm losing? And, and I think it's a, it's a good bet. Love that answer. That is a great, a great, great point there, right? Because it's not even necessarily what you're collecting, but as much as uh, what's the overall, you know, what, what could it do for you? Look, you're finding people you can collaborate with. And that's one thing I've learned over the years. Um, one of my self, like my, so part of being self-aware is I realize where my struggle is. I, um, I've always been the, uh, I could do whatever I want to do by myself. I don't need you. Don't need your help. Don't need your money. Don't need anything from you. But, um, I've come to learn over the uh, years 
what has been my biggest hang up and my biggest, you know, I would say wall blocking me. And the answer is myself through that attitude, because I can grow way bigger collaborating with other people than I can try to do it by myself. Like I just said. Yeah. hundred percent. And I, it's kind of crazy. I have raised over like millions of dollars through Facebook. And I've also received because of deals, people giving me deals over millions of dollars from deals just from like sharing my story and trying to help people and give back. So a hundred percent, like if I was trying to do it myself, I, I would have missed out on so much opportunity. It'd be ridiculous. Yeah. And it took me a long time to learn it, right? Like my biggest growth was uh, eight figures a year. And uh, I kind of, uh, I pretty much flatlined at that point. And every time I thought I found a way to raise the business, something countered it to bring me back down. And I could never get past that. And and, and it's been years that I, I could never figure it out, right? So I was used to say, you want to get to six figures? That's easy. You want to get to seven figures? I can help you. you want to get to eight figures? I can get you to the starting point. You want to get to nine figures? I'm not your guy. I don't know how to get past that. Well, I do now, but it took many, many years to figure out that the uh, where the problem lay. I knew the problem was with me. Let's be honest. Nobody's like, it's everybody else's fault. Yeah. I don't see it. I don't understand. Nobody's that stupid. At least you're right? self-aware. So I, I don't know. <laughs> That's good you know, like, but yeah, so I knew it was me. I just didn't know what was I doing wrong. Sure. Right? So- I realize it's the, uh, and it's the not relying on team. And that's the be beautiful part. I mean, there's me, like I'm the bottleneck in my companies for a lot of things. And I realize it and I still struggle with it. Like, I know I need people. I mean, I'm doing like after this interview, I'm be working on a sheet and I'm like, it's going to take me a few hours. I could probably have someone else do it, but I'll just do it. You know, like I still do that struggle with that too. So don't feel bad. <laughs> Thanks. Um, now that's the other thing I was going to ask you. Like throughout this whole process, I mean, we make it sound easy. Mm -hmm. We make it sound to figure out, okay, I solved my problem. I know what it is. I'm going to be a trillionaire tomorrow morning. And it's really, that's not the case. So my question to you is throughout this whole journey, what would you say was your biggest struggle through the start? And basically once you were established, because that changes. <laughs> mm -hmm. So there's a lot of struggles, especially in the beginning. You really doubt yourself. Your first house, your first flip, your first investment property. You have no idea what you're doing. You're scared. As, I, it's funny. People think like I'm like a Superman or something. I'm like I I was freaking out the first uh when I told you like I sold my first house and I bought a house at tax foreclosure. Uh, I had my card up and they're like, oh, my, this young guy, 873, he he wins the bid. He wins the house. And it was just like, boom, like a flashbang went off. Like my ears are ringing. Everyone's looking at me. I'm breaking out in sweat. I just thought I made the worst financial decision in my life. Like we all go through that and that's okay. Right. But it's pushing through the fear. Um, so in the beginning, it was you know, the unknown, I didn't know what was behind the drywall. I didn't know it was two by four, 16 inches apart. You know, I didn't know anything. I'm 21 years old, I'm just figuring it out myself, right? I didn't know the paperwork side, mortgages and liens. And, you know, I'm working on unconditional waivers right now, like all those little details that, you know, uh, happened at the beginning. But, you know, what I did is I always found someone who was at where I wanted to be. And then I learned from them, right? Because it was, I, I found like my first mentor flipped 100 houses and um he was like i, I flip 100 houses i don't see them anymore and i chase my wife around the house all day and i'm like that's impossible like i i'm at one house I, I go to home depot three times a day i mow the lawn like there's no possible way right so to him like my problems were easy um so i just found someone who was ahead of me and where i wanted to be and then same thing when i started multifamily, i was scared at this little six unit apartment building I, my first deal of uh, apartments and now I laugh at it. I wouldn't even look at a six unit. It's too small. 
But what I did is I found someone who had 40 something units. So the six unit was tiny. He was like, oh, six units, that's nothing. Just add it to my collection, right? So that's what I did to kind of push past the fear. That's what I love about real estate is you can ask for help. There are people who are where you want to be because in other industries, if you've got some software, some tech, and you want help and guidance, your competition's not going to really help you. You know, they're going to might like steal your code and run away with it. But in real estate, everyone's like in this together. They're happy to help. So um, that's what I did to kind of overcome a, a lot of the fears, um, you know, throughout different stages. Yeah, love that. Now, and again, that's mentoring, right? And then um, you're right. It's probably not as complicated as, you know, other industries because you got to figure out people who know what you're doing and are not looking to pretty much <laughs> compete with you. Yeah. So. And that's a lot harder to do. So love that. Now, what would you say to someone who's at their starting point? You know, I mean, they're interested in getting into the industry. And again, like you said, you're all scared. I mean, I was scared. Um, everyone's scared. Ah, to be honest, sometimes I still am scared. Who, who, you know, who are we kidding? But what would you say to that person who's looking to begin that journey, looking to start out and um, has that hesitation? So what advice would you give them? My advice is, um, it, it's okay that you're scared. Every successful person has been scared. So it's okay. That means you're on the right track, right? And like what, you know, what I did is I seeked out people who are more experienced than me and what I wanted to do. And then, and then I either partnered with them. Um, like my first, you know, apartment deal, I actually gave 60% equity. I found the deal. I negotiated seller financing. I'll manage the renovations, but I gave, uh, my, uh, now, you know, partner, 60% of the deal, majority of the deal, just to make sure I don't mess up. Right. So I was okay with, you know, making it so easy for him to not say no. Cause he's like, Mike's going to do all this work here. He found the deal. He's going to negotiate. He's going to manage everything. He's and he's going to give me a majority of the deal just to make sure that he doesn't mess up. Okay, great. Like it was a, it was a win-win for everybody. So that's what I recommend doing is you don't have to do this alone. There are people who are at where you want to be. And, um, you know, reach out to them. So absolutely. Awesome. Now in later time, I'm going to get into a couple more questions before I go into what I call the lightning round. Second, last question is how do you know you've had a successful day? <laughs> I don't know. I had a successful day. That's a good question. It's when all these things on my notepad are all checked off for the day. Um, so that honestly, that's about it. But you know, if you want to define success, that's a whole nother answer. Yeah, got it. Uh, awesome. Last but not least, anyone uh, who saw this wants to reach out to you, where would they go? Yeah. Um, so I have a free resource for you guys. Uh, everyone listening, if you are interested in buying, fixing, flipping houses, uh, I got a website for you guys to write down. Um, it's about how we made $55,000 buying, fixing, and flipping a, an entire house. Um, it's free uh, training. Um, and you guys can check it out. Uh, so you can go to 55kdeal.com. So it's 55kdeal.com. 55 is how much we made, 55,000 is how much we made on it. Pay for 1,000 and deal.com. So 55kdeal.com. Uh, check that out. And then inside of there is my free Facebook group. You can go in there and check out uh, the Real Estate Wealth Builders Facebook group. Um, I My goal is to post in there every single day, sharing all of my experiences of what I'm doing and how to help you guys. Like today, I just made a post about how to identify water damage in a basement, right? So just constantly uh, educating and giving back to you guys. Love that. Awesome. Let's get into the lightning round with question number one, which is going to be, what is your favorite food and why? Ooh, <laughs> I love it. Uh, I would say uh, the type of food is like Mexican food. I can eat that all day. Like the queso, the salsa and fajitas. That's my favorite. Nice. 
Good food. Um, <laughs> favorite travel destination and why? Aruba. Um, it's 82 degrees every single day. Perfect weather and uh, just a, a gorgeous country. And they speak uh, four different languages there. It's just gorgeous. Nice. All right. Awesome. Question number three is favorite book pot or and or podcast. The Success Principles by Jack Canfield is an amazing book. Highly, highly recommend it. Um, and then also The Go-Giver. That one's uh, The Go-Giver is a real short uh, audio, maybe three hours long. Amazing. I've listened to it three times in the last three years. And the Jack Canfield book, uh, uh, The Success Principles, is a lot longer. Um, it's probably like about 12-hour audio, but it's absolutely amazing. Highly recommend it. Fantastic. All right. Last but not least, and probably one of my favorite questions is if you were given unlimited amount of money, but only 48 hours to spend it, what you spend, you get to keep what you don't spend gets taken away. What would you do? I'll buy all the real estate for sale in America. Boom. There we go. Mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Mike, this has been a phenomenal show. I can't thank you enough for being on it. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Absolute pleasure. If you like what you saw and you want to see some more, subscribe to the link below. Thanks for tuning in to The John Papaloni Show.